Hello, 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 hello. This is Animated for Jerks Time Cast. I'm Alex. Collectively, we are jerks. Collectively, we are jerks. This is anime. Do you think, do you think we're more jerks when we're together than we're, when we're apart? I don't know what you're like. I mean, I can't know that. Damn, damn. <laughs> I obviously can't know what you're like when you're not around me. <laughs> if, if I'm a jerk in a forest and Cass isn't around to see it. Yeah. I mean, I suppose I could ask your friends. You could. Uh, but they might lie to me. They might. I can't they're, have... they're jerks, too. <laughs> yeah, I can't have, as Katara Nishida would put it, direct experience of your... <laughs> I cannot. I cannot have a pure experience of your jerkishness when you could just spy on me. I mean, given how much you know about me, I guess. Yeah, I could just steal your identity and act like a jerk under your name to, the, to like the IRS, <laughs> and then make it true thereby. Yeah, and then I would know because I did it. <laughs> this is a way stupider beginning to this podcast. No, uh, this is awesome. <laughs> Uh, so this month, we're talking about the film Akira, directed by Katsuhiro Otomo. Uh, so I, I like this movie, that's why I suggested it. Uh, Alex, how, did you, did you like this film? <clears throat> did this, this movie invent the adult baby fetish? <laughs> that's a wild way of saying no. <laughs> I don't think, this when was people, a fucking bizarre movie. When people say they're yeah. into adult babies, I don't think that they mean like child-sized people who have like the shriveled faces of old men. I don't think that's what they want. When they want when they when they put on the adult diaper and yeah. act like a baby. I think Don't they want to be don't they want to be tiny but still maintain their mental faculties? No, I think they just want to be little babies. Oh. I have some friends who are into that, but I've never discussed it with them so why didn't you fucking bring them on the podcast <laughs> um when are we gonna have guests on here anyway i'm getting sick of you <laughs> we can uh when we watch kids on the slope we'll have alice on oh nice um and i know i know rj wanted to be if we ever watch kaiba well rj i think will will forcibly break into my house to be on the podcast <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't, I don't know what to think of this movie. It's a uh, weird movie. It's extremely uh, weird. A large part of of what has made it so so enduring is that it is it's beautiful. It's like oh, yeah, an no, incredibly yeah, like, wonderfully made movie. Visually and technically, it's it's very well done. Yeah, it's it's like it's a testament to how much fucking money everyone in Japan had in the eighties. <laughs> For more on that, see your Yakuza Zero streams. <laughs> yeah, like, like this is this is the ultimate like pre pre bubble pop. Like they mm-hmm. like just armies of animators. Like that. Like the 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 scene that really that really hammered it home for me was the like weird uh, dream sequence with Tetsuo in the hospital with all of like the the stuffed animals that leak milk. Oh yeah. Uh, like that scene. Like how like amazingly animated the milk is it's yeah 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 yeah, yeah. (laughs) all right we'll get to that we'll get to that we'll get to that so uh what's akira about alex fuck if i know um so yeah so akira takes place in neo tokyo um which is post-world war three yes the tokyo that they built 
uh, after World War Three and after a singularity destroyed Tokyo. Oh, I thought uh, that was a nuke. No, that was uh, well. Well, it's allegorical, but well, we find it, it's alleg- allegorically it's one hundred percent a nuke. Literally, like diegetically, yeah, it's yeah. like it's a it's a it's a Kira. Um, but yes, so and then it, it brings us to the far off future year of twenty nineteen. Harvey Birdman and, looking at his calendar. JPEG, and a big city is just about as shitty as they are now. So they nailed yeah. it. Um, so yeah, so the opening, the opening shots of this movie. It didn't even take an apocalypse. Yeah, it didn't even take an apocalypse. It's like, oh, that's just, that's just New York now. Um, but yes, so the opening of this movie is sort of establishing what the vibe is like in Neo Tokyo in the far off future year of 2019. Um. And like the, the like violent police state cracking down on student protesters. This movie fucking hates cops. Was extremely, uh. Well, not prescient, because that was happening. Yeah, like, that's always happening. Uh, I mean, when was Tiananmen Square? Tiananmen Square was 1979. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, like... You know, it's always probably, happening. Cops cracking down on student protesters. It's a, it's a perennial it's a perennial thing. Yes. Um, so, yeah, so there is, you know, uh, an sort of anti-government protest movement where people want the government to repeal unspecified tax reforms. Uh I can only imagine that they were like Reagani- Reaganomics, like mm-hmm. corporate tax cuts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this movie—it's a. This is a very '80s movie. It is like in in all ways, both in like the sort of political concerns that it has, and also in the way that it looks. Yeah. Uh, it's a very '80s movie. Um, it just like like so much of this movie just looks like the the box art for like Streets of Rage. <laughs> like it's just it's just like like jean jackets and like baseball jackets and like motorcycles and like dudes with big hair beating the shit out of each other um it's so fucking good <laughs> it's so <laughs> like because it's not because like now in in the far off future year of 2020 when we when we look back on the 80s um, like our 80s nostalgia is, is, and you can like compare and contrast like what Blade Runner 2049 looks like versus what Blade Runner looks like. Um, I haven't seen, the, I haven't seen 49 and I've only slept, I haven't seen 49 minutes of Blade Runner. Uh, I haven't seen 2049, but I've seen like enough from it to know like it's general aesthetic and it's this sort of like, like the way that we look back in the 80s is this sort of like much sort of cleaner, like neon sort of oh yeah sort of look like the look of like stranger things or of you know an infinite number of of other sort of nostalgic 80s properties that have that have come out i'm so tired for 80s nostalgia uh i'm so tired bring on bring on the 90s yeah bring on 90s nostalgia except don't uh maybe that's just (laughs) stop or let's just I pick just like some random decade from yeah, the past two thousand like, years to be nostalgic about. Let's like, get like let's get like eighteen twelve. <laughs> the, <nostalgia. war, laughs> the war of the war of eighteen twelve nostalgia. Let's go to war with Canada <laughs> for the nostalgia. I, no, I was I thinking know. like let's have like thirteen twenties nostalgia. Oh hell and yeah! And that's all just like that's all sing Gregorian let's, chant and like let's see. Is that was that before or after the Black Plague? That was that's just before. That was right? during the Black Plague, in fact. <laughs> oh, I thought the I thought the plague was a couple decades later. Uh, I don't, I don't remember. 
All right, the Black Plague cast. Let's spend the next hour uh, looking at the various um, scholarly disputes over the dating of the Black Plague. Yeah, this, th- that's the thing about events like that is that it's sort of hard to determine when they begin because it also mm-hmm. it also depends on like where you're talking about because the Black Plague originated in China uh, and uh... it was brought to Europe. Uh, but we only we only care when white people die. Right, right. Um, anyway, so this movie is about this sort of delinquent teenage biker gang led by this guy named Kaneda. And we know his name is Kaneda because uh, everybody in this movie is constantly shouting each other's names. <laughs> it's actually really helpful because, like, often I have trouble remembering remembering people's names in in movies generally, and especially in anime because no, yeah. they're in a, they're in a yeah. language that I don't understand. But everybody, you know, it's it's that. Imagine if you haven't seen this movie. Imagine a guy yelling Kanada, and then a guy yelling Tetsuo for two hours. It's that. It's great. It whips. Pretty much. And so we sort of get introduced to them with this super cool motorcycle chase scene where they're fighting this rival gang of clowns. The, um, yeah, the clown bikers. Yeah, the clown bikers. Which uh, is basically ICP, right? Yeah, they're basically, yeah, they're the, insane, they're the cyberpunk insane clown posse. Um, Dang, and, this movie was prophetic. Yeah, right? Um, and they, and we, we get also in this scene an introduction to the fucking kick-ass music in this movie. It is so good. Um, it's just all like crazy, weird, reverby hand percussion, uh, and like <laughs> guys singing. <laughs> dudes just dudes going like dudes oh, you know oh, it's yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, so yeah. good. It's so good. I made I may try to recreate this in time for for this podcast release in a week a week from now. Um, but I made a mashup many years ago that I've since since been lost to the sands of time of the song that plays during the the, the motorcycle chase, which is amazingly called Battle Against Clown. Oh my um, god. And that song with the song Get Got by Death Grips. Um which also has this sort of very, very fast sort of reverby uh percussion stuff going on. Uh so yeah. If that could I be if, the intro. Yeah, that could be the intro. Uh, or I'll just splice it in now, uh, or I'll put a link in the description if I if I bother to do that. If I don't, just listen to Battle Against Clown and imagine MC Ride screaming over it, uh, and you'll you'll get the, the, the most of the experience. Um, um, so they're getting into this this fight, this fight with the the clown gang, and then Tetsuo uh, accidentally. Almost hits uh, a small weird child with his bike, and well, we, we, we were introduced to the small weird child earlier. Yeah. Um, so he's the small. Yeah, because we see the being, small weird child like sort of in in this being weird, escorted by yeah dude, man. yeah in like this riot scene, and the dude gets shot by the cops, uh, like a million times in like the middle of this protest, and this this small weird child, and like. It's, when it's, we say weird, we mean green skin. Yeah, I mean, so this child has, like, pallid green skin and white hair, and he's, like, shriveled like a raisin, but he still, like, sounds and looks like a child. It's, it's Well, it doesn't, I mean, not, he doesn't look like a child. He's the size of a child. He's he looks the, like an old man. Yeah, he's the size of a child, and he look, but he looks like an old man, but, like, he doesn't quite fully look like an old man. Like, he still has, like, big child eyes. 
Right, right. Um, yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird look. It's a weird, it's a weird thing. And he's not even the weirdest looking of the three weird psychic children. He's probably the most uh-huh. normal looking of the three weird psychic children because we also have, uh, like Muppet Babies Donald Trump who flies around mm-hmm. in in like a in like a little bubble, um, like Yoda in the Star Wars prequels. <laughs> uh and we also have uh this this the little girl who like Kyoko. Kyoko oh, she's, yeah. the only, she's the only one whose name I remember. Yeah, I remember Takashi. They're, they're, they're not shouted enough. Yeah, Takashi is the normal one. Takashi is the quote unquote normal one, the slightly more normal one. And Kyoko then, is the the girl one and then And then I don't the remember one. what what Donald Trump what baby <laughs> baby's Donald Trump's name is. Fucking hell. <laughs> Cause like like the thing is is that there's like there's like two characters, cause there's like there's him who looks he looks like Muppet Babies Donald Trump and then there's like what if Donald Trump got into the machine from the fly with a rat later on? <laughs> there's that guy that guy who's like who's like he's like is like trying to stuff all his like money and paperwork into his suitcase oh, in the movie. Right, that guy, right, right, the politician. <laughs> yeah, the politician. That guy. He looks like. <laughs> It looks like if Donald Trump and a rat fused using the machine from the fly. Oh fuck. Oh. Anyway, so so Takashi, normal baby, is being yeah, is being like escorted by this dude and they're being they, um he has to kill some police dogs, which is sad. Yes, poor but puppies. And then and then they they run into like a blockade that's been set up because of the student protests, and then, um, and then, then like he shoots at the police, and then they shoot at him like a bajillion times because everything the police do in this movie is like completely excessive use of the force. Um, and then the baby vanishes. Ooh. Ooh. Yes, fades out. Um, so then we get the motorcycle chase and then Tetsuo they're like chasing them in the old city on the highway and Tetsuo like almost like he thinks he's just about to run over a child with his motorcycle but the child like creates a magical energy shield and Tetsuo crashes his bike and it explodes um and the first of many times that yes. someone by all rights would have died, but somehow it doesn't. God, we're going to talk about the fucking motorcycle crash near the end of this movie, which is one of the funniest part things that happens in it. Um, uh, yes, so, Tet- so Tetsuo gets into this car crash. His friends come over to help him, uh, and the rest of the gang is sort of arrested by the cops uh, while... Sure. Yeah, right, so the military police are tracking down normal baby, and so they all swoop in in helicopters and and handcuff all the the gang and uh and yeah. abduct normal baby yes and and baby they, Trump is, and is they take with. tetsuo they 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 put they like put him it i think that oh, right, um right, right. Canada and and friends assume that he is being airlifted to a hospital but he's in fact being kidnapped by this the secret government um yeah so yeah, so this is when we we meet um, Baby Trump and the Colonel, who's this giant square dude uh, who hates corrupt politicians and capitalists, but it <laughs> is also a fascist. Is also a military dictator. Yeah, 
so he's a he's a he's a complex character. Yeah, he's a complex character. So yeah, so they so they 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 whisk away baby normal and uh, Tetsuo. Yeah, and then they and, talk shit to the cops, and then they all get interrogated. Um, and right, so yeah, oh sorry. Yeah, and then on their way, they see so they all they're all getting interrogated by the by the police to figure out what it was that they were doing. Uh, and they're so stupid that the cops assume that they can't possibly be guilty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they just play really dumb, and they're like, "Just get these fuckers out of here." Uh, yeah. And then Tetsuo, being I mean uh, Kanada, being the horny dipshit, sees uh, a girl yes. who who he saw. No, he hasn't seen her he before. Hasn't seen we've, her yet. He we've, just... we've seen her before yes. because we saw her during the protest when Normal Baby uh, faded out. Kanada sees her for the first time in in the in the holding. Yeah. Center and like immediately it's like I'm gonna marry her yeah he, it, it's a fucking fucking good hilarious interaction just like very sad interaction um where like yeah uh kind of uh let me find the screenshots that I well, he, the- he gets he gets her out by pretending that she was part of the ones that were that were brought in uh, he's like, there's yeah. one more of us who you brought in. It's it's her, and they're like, at this point, yeah, they're like, I don't give a bigger, shit. Bigger problems because a, a, a suicide bomber tried to blow up the ten- detention center. Yeah, and then, and he's like, hey, there like, was, the and, here. and he talks to the to the cop, and he's like, hey, pops, there's one more, uh, there's one more <laughs> of us, and he's like, who the fuck you call pops? I'm only twenty five, <laughs> and he does not look twenty five. No, no, he doesn't. Um, he looks like if, uh, like a grapefruit was a person. <laughs> uh, and he's so mad. Yeah, yeah then kind of, so, and then they're walking out and kind of is like, I was just wondering if you wanted to grab some tea or something over there. I figured we could have a nice long talk about that revolution deal. Uh, kind of is, is the dumbest motherfucker He's such a fucking alive. dipshit. Like... Like this, I think a lot of like the iconography from this movie revolves around him and revolves around like like him, like his sort of like visual aesthetic and his bike and stuff like that. That it's easy to forget how much of just an idiot dipshit he is, um, you know? Because like like uh, uh like on like the poster for this movie, he looks super cool, you know? Like you can see his, yeah. his fucking cool jacket, this cool bike, and stuff like that. But in the actual movie, he's a complete dumbass um, the entire time. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, and so she walks away from him, uh, and he's like, "At least tell me your name, you bitch," because he's a complete, <laughs> yeah. just like complete incel Canada. Um, and then I don't, I don't remember why I wrote this, but I because I took the note incel Canada, and then immediately after that I wrote Valsel Canada. <laughs> and I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember exactly what it is that he said. Oh, this he... Is because this is because this is a, just after that we we go to their high school, which is like like this just complete shit tier high school where oh yeah where where all the kind of like the low performing kids are dumped and and forgotten, and 
during like a recess. Yeah, right. He's like, uh, he, like, um, there's the, the, that girl is they, flirting they, with they him, look, and he's and he and trying to trying to like trying to like flirt with him, and he's like, I have enough. I had enough of your damn flirting. <laughs> That's character growth. In a matter of in a matter of like a minute, he goes from incel to volcel. Well, because he's now because he's all fixated on K. Yeah. And but also because I think he's worried about Tetsuo. Yeah, and that's and that's when we also made Tetsuo's girlfriend, yes. Kaori, who's this uh. tiny little girl. Yeah, and she con- she constantly walks around just like with this baffled look on her face. <laughs> she looks, yeah, she has these big eyes, and she looks so just kind of mystified yeah. the entire. Yeah, she movie. looks like a she's looks, she looks like a deer frozen in the headlights the entire movie. <laughs> She's so funny. She's so good. Um, but she dies, doesn't she? She does die, uh, unfortunately. That's, that's fucked up. Yes, justice for Kaori. Uh, uh, but anyway, yeah, so what happens after the... After, okay, so... Oh, right, so, so, so... Uh, Tetsuo busts out of the uh, out of the hospital. Out, yeah. Yeah, because they, they they had, he had the surgery to give him a galaxy brain. Um, and so now... <laughs> Uh, and, and now he's free, and he steals kind of his bike with Kaori, uh, but he can't figure out how to how to ride it because it's like it's custom made for for Canada. Uh, and there's, there's a great bit where they're, they're driving super fast at the highway and they're driving down the street, and he's like, "Oh no, shit!" And Kaori's like, "We're stopping." We stopped. <laughs> and then they're just stopping. Yeah, that was so funny. In the middle of the river. Uh, we're stopping. And we stopped. We stopped. We stopped, and then some of the cl- some of the ICP see yeah. Tetsuo, and they're like, "It's payback time." Yeah, and, they're and they start getting the shit out of him and Kaori. Uh, but Kanada has realized his baby bike has been stolen, so they catch up pretty quick and um, yeah. chase and- off the clowns. And that's when Tetsuo has his first like uh, his galaxy, his first his brain expands, his first fit, I guess. Yeah. Because, uh, um, yeah, one of the side effects of Galaxy Brain is hallucinating that your guts are falling out. Yes, yeah, that's one of the, the I past, think future like, and present altogether. One of the like coolest, like most effective body horror shots in in the movie for me was is the one where he thinks his guts are falling out and then he starts putting them back in and then uh, yeah. and then it like it like fades into like what's actually happening, which is just he's looking down at the floor and like frantically slapping his own stomach. Yeah. It's wild. Um, and meanwhile, in the background, like the 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 clown goons have like ripped Kaori's shirt off, and so she's just lying on the floor, uh, face down with her titties out. <laughs> is... Yeah, poor, like yeah, they they show up like like she's got like a swollen jaw. Yeah, she like they they took her shirt off, and no one's like helping her. Yeah, she's, she's just, just lying like, face down on the floor. Poor and Kaori. She just staggers over, and no one pays any attention to her. Yeah. Um. Poor Kaori. And then yeah, then then Tetsuo is freaking out, and kind of does like what? He's like, dude, dude, what's going on? What's going on? He's like, stay away from me, stay away. And then uh, the fucking feds show up again to to re-abduct him and they take him back and there's like a big ripped like men in black guy he's so uh, big he's so yeah. square he's huge even more than uh colonel yeah what's yeah. colonel's name uh, uh what well, doesn't matter he's a fucking cop colonel uh shiki shikishima uh and this is also that scene is also where we get sort of like the setup for tetsuo's like weird character arc where he 
sort of has this inferiority complex with regard to Kaneda oh, because yeah, Kaneda yeah. is like the leader of the gang and Tetsuo is uh, a dumbass. Uh, and and so a crybaby. Yeah, and a crybaby. When, well, when he was when he was younger, yeah. Kaneda looked out looked out for him because they were both in the same orphanage. And near the end of the movie, we get a flashback where yeah. Tetsuo gets, gets beat up at his first day at the orphanage, and then uh, Kaneda like gets his toy back and befriends him. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, growing up in Canada's shadow has kind of given him a complex. And, and so he, yeah, he, he flips out because he's like, because Canada is like, oh, I saved you. He's like, I don't want to be saved. What ah. a stand on my own two bootstraps. Uh, yeah. And then we get uh, Canada is like running away from the cops who are like, you know, busting into the area because of terrorist shit. You know, because the city's a weird disaster, and so he's running away, trying to get out of there. And then we catch up with Kay, uh, who is very cool. Oh, well, this, this is a, this then. Um, so yeah, so Tetsuo got reabducted, and then there, and then, and then the gang is just like smoking by the mall, right? And yeah. that's when the terrorist. That's when a terrorist attack happens on the mall. Yeah, there's and, a terrorist attack in the mall. And, they, and they, that, that's how they split up. And that's how yeah. uh, Canada gets split up from the rest of yeah, his gang. Yeah, he goes down to like a weird like sewer bayou where Kay is is fighting some other cops. Because um, she's cool. And she hates cops. She's the best. Um, and uh, Canada like helps her defeat these cops. Uh, yeah, so, she, 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 so she'd been running. She got split up from um, her... her whatever Ryu, her old her her old um what's what's their relationship are they fucking or Who, whose relationship the relationship between her k and Ryu. oh i Ryu seems much older than k yeah that's that's why i'm not sure so i think i think Ryu is like is like is like a dad like a like father figure yeah okay anyway they, they get separated yeah She's Ryu and the, the cops <laughs> Uh, oh, sorry. Ryu and uh, who's the other guy? The Colonel. Uh, yeah, Ken. Ken. Oh. <laughs> Wait, this isn't Street Fighter. Ryu uh, and the so Colonel are like uh, raised identical my, twins. My two dads. Yeah, they 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 look the same. I keep getting them mixed up. Yeah. Uh, the only difference is that Ryu has kind of like messy hair. Ryu has hair. The Colonel does not. He, look, the Colonel has that tiny little. Uh, the tiny little afro, not uh, afro, uh, like a flat top mohawk. Yeah. Oh yeah, he does have hair, and he has and, just a tiny face. He has the smallest face. Yeah, but uh, setting aside his tiny face, uh, yeah, Kay gets surrounded by the cops. And then, and then Kanada comes in just at the right moment and and kicks one into the into the sewer, and then Kay shoots the other. And freaks the fuck out because she hasn't shot someone before. Yeah, and then <laughs> there's another amazing <laughs> interaction between Canada and Kay. God, Canada is such a <laughs> he's such an idiot. He's like, come on, shoot shit. yourself in. That was the first time you ever killed somebody, right? Once you've purified your body and soul, let's go out for tea or something. God, I hate him. He's he so- sucks so bad, and it's so <laughs> funny. Uh, like I can't, I can't bring myself to hate him because he's such a dipshit, and it's so funny yeah, how much like of a dipshit he is. It's, it's like it's like trying to hate a dog that peed on the rug. Yeah, it's he's like... it's because it, all of his antics are so ineffectual. <laughs> <laughs> like he just he just fails the entire movie. He never once succeeds at anything. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and so then the colonel and and Ryu show up uh, and and find Kay, and they're like, "Who is the, who is this motherfucker?" And he's the like, "Colonel doesn't the colonel doesn't show up." Oh, not the colonel. Uh, oh yeah, the other uh, guy. Yeah. Um, so so yeah so um, yeah weird. Kay, Kay, Kay who the fuck is him- that guy? He's a, he's some nobody. So Kay brings kind of like the safe house, and then Ryu and um, scruffy accomplice dude show up, and they're like, "Who the fuck is this motherfucker?" And he's like, "And, and he's like, well, who me? Well, I guess saying I'm Kay's boyfriend might be stretching it a bit. We haven't gotten physical or anything yet. Understand?" <laughs> and then they throw him in a throw him in a, a locked room. Yeah, uh, and and <laughs> so the adults can talk. But of course he escapes, uh, um. and he over he overhears them talking about Tetsuo. Yeah, going and to rescue like, Tetsuo. Tetsu- Tetsuo's my boy. Let me let me help. Let me help. Let me help. Let me help him. Please, 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 please. And they're like, "Fine, fuck, shut up." That's exactly what happens in the movie. Yeah, um, and so then in the meantime, Tetsuo uh, has a fucking insane dream sequence hallucination. Oh God! Yeah. Uh, with with all of his stuffed animals. So yeah, so he so he yeah he wakes up during the night in 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 the, his hospital room and then he, without real without realizing it he like um, telepathies his his uh, glass of water to, into his hand. Yeah. And we're like, oh no, his galaxy brain is fermenting, um, and then he yeah then he starts uh, hallucinating giant stuffed animals who leak milk. And it is yeah. wild. It's, it is yeah. some fucked up shit. Completely, completely unhinged. And that's it. That's the movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah. <laughs> so then Tetsuo busts out of of his his hospital room. Um. Again. Again. Uh, but now he has psychic powers, and so he fucking murders uh, everybody who's in his way. Yeah. The the like. Yeah, I mentioned. Yeah, you mentioned before how beautiful it is, and it's also like just like from a, like a technical perspective the filmmaking is very good oh yeah like the the like they don't they don't like like lovingly like do scenes of his of extreme like his extreme violence they just they like they'll yeah just like cut from him being like being stopped by the the doctor and the and the and the soldiers and then like the next thing you know, they're all dead. Yeah, like and the the it, first time it, he um, it doesn't it doesn't, it doesn't kills glory people. in in yeah. the kind of gore. And There's a lot of though, gore and violence and stuff like this, but it's not like it's not super graphic because they know that like we can't really do that in animation, yeah. like the way that you can also, live action. It, also, it's not super gratuitous. Yeah, like like the first like, time that Tetsuo kills those guys in the hallway, like the murder happens in a long shot from like way down the hall, and so all you right. see is just like their bodies fucking exploding against the wall in this huge explosive goop of red, but you don't really see any of the people. You just see like this weird like gross liquidy explosion. Right, right. So yeah, so Tetsuo. Uh, so meanwhile, Canada uh, and. K and Ryu and and the the resistance gang, the hashtag resistance, uh, are bust are sneaking into to the facility that Tetsu is being held in to try to rescue him. Uh, disguised as repair, dis- yes, like disguised as, as cable repair people, um, <laughs> and they pull the classic. Oh, we hear with that cable you wanted, and the guy's like, "Yeah, that was scheduled for next week." You know, I'm on vacation next week, and my boys are already here. Yeah. Um. 
Oh, all right then. So then Tetsuo sort of has a fight with the 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 weird the weird pallid gray kids. Right. So he yeah he he basically smashes everything in his way and and is is he had a vision when he like in the hospital room of the route to the baby the is it called the baby room? Yeah, the baby room. Uh, and so he he makes he makes his way there, um, fucking up everything in his path, and then at the end, then he throws down with the babies. Yeah, uh, he fights <laughs> he fights these children. <laughs> he fights literal children. Uh, and then Kanada shows up and is like, "Hey Tetsuo, we're here to rescue you." And he's like, "You think I need a rescuing?" Uh, and then they get into a fight. <laughs> Uh, well, it's not, it's not much of a fight. It's not much of a fight. Tetsuo just fucking whips his ass. But yeah, the, obviously the other babies have psychic powers too, so they're still yeah. alive. They, they were able to defend themselves, even though Tetsuo is is the chosen one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we see we get more and more increasing like uh, influences on the Matrix as we go on. Yes. Yeah. Um. Uh, but, but then yeah so then uh tetsuo was like fuck you Canada. i'm the big boy now i don't need looking after and he bails and then Canada and k get arrested again yes and they uh, get thrown in prison again uh and but like real prison this time not just like a real holding cell. Uh, uh, and then and then tetsuo uh, k- goes off to find akira who he doesn't know uh, what akira is but he yeah, wants to kick his ass <laughs> and K Wax is super philosophical about uh, genes and shit. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, there's. Because, like, uh, <laughs> it's a great minute trying, where Canada is like, what the hell is this what... Akira thing you keep talking about? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And K says, Ryu told me about it once. He said that Akira has absolute energy. Um, and he, she's like, humans, they do all sorts of kinds of things during their lifetime, right? Discovering things, building things, things like houses, motorcycles, bridges, cities, and rockets, all that knowledge and energy. Where do you suppose it comes from? And there's an amazing shot where Kanada just like shrugs. He's like, Ugh! It's <laughs> fucking very good. Yeah, yeah, it's like, she's, she's like, she kind of jumps right into this whole kind of like, yeah seminar and he's just, yeah. he's just like <laughs> still such a dip, such a dip the shit. worst the worst possible audience yeah uh, least equipped man to understand <laughs> yeah then she, then i don't i don't remember all of it you yeah, she's like humans were like monkeys once and before that like reptiles and fish and before that plankton and amoebas even creatures like those have incredible energy inside them and he's like because of genes i guess <laughs> the one word he knows from yeah like, and she's like and even before that maybe there were genes in the water and air even in space dust too i bet if that's true what memories are hidden in it the beginning of the universe maybe or maybe even before that maybe everyone has those memories what if there was some mistake and the progression went wrong and something like an amoeba were given power like a humans um <laughs> which doesn't make any sense but <laughs> but, but go off okay Sure. Uh, and then she's like, amoebas don't build houses and bridges. They just devour all the food around them. Um, and then kind of like, that's what Tetsuo is doing? You're saying he has that kind of energy? Uh, and then she says, a long time ago, there were people who tried to control that power at the government's request, you see. They failed and triggered the fall of Tokyo. Uh, so that's as much exposition as you get in this movie. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. That's the whole, the whole, the entirety of the exposition is in that scene. Um, 
And then the, the, and the door of their prison, and the door of their cell unlocks. Yes. Magically. Um, and so Tetsuo um, is then oh, going... Oh, well, because, well, because at the end, at the by the end of her monologue, she's, based, she's like, being used as a vessel by the baby girl. I guess. Like, at one point, they do... This, I think this is the first time when we see her, like, they're being, like, interposed... And like she starts talking, and then suddenly she has eyeshadow, uh, and then it, and then it, it fades to like the baby girl saying the words. And then, yeah. And then when they're like, oh, er- earlier, earlier, bef- before they when they were trying to break into the facility, and they stole that uh, that hover bike. They were trying to find Tetsuo, and that's that's the first time that K. God, yeah, like, she gets like a brain message from the baby. Yeah, and and she gets and she gets cool eyeshadow at the same time. Yeah, uh, um, so you know that she's so you know that she's being possessed. So yeah. So meanwhile, Tetsuo is on a rampage throughout the city. He uh, he. I think this actually happens before the prison monologue, but uh, he goes into the bar that they were in at the beginning of the movie and kills the bartender, and then some members of their gang show up. Uh, at the bar, and they're like, hey, Tetsuo, what are you doing here? You're out of the hospital? And he's like, yeah, I'm fucking the king of... I'm king shit of fuck mountain. Uh, and they're like, uh... And then he kills one of them. Um, yeah. Uh, and the other he's, one escapes. He's got a chip on his shoulder, I think. Yeah. Uh, so, baby girl unlocks the, the door of the prison. I think that's what it's what's yeah, implied. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, meanwhile, Tetsuo is continuing his rampage throughout the city. Uh, and he gets into an encounter with a tank, and then he like busts into like a like the front window of a dis- of like a, a store display, and puts on a fucking fucking cape like a dipshit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He like just takes his fucking cape and he just puts it on. and He's so fucking proud of himself. He thinks he looks so cool. And at this point, he's got like he's got like huge Dragon Ball Z hair. I know. He tur- he, yeah. He cur- turns entirely into a Dragon Ball Z character. Yeah. Uh, and. That this is when this is when he goes yeah also goes full neo like because the he st- he stops a, sh- a tank shell in midair yeah etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah it's yeah. totally it's one hundred percent the the scene at the end of the matrix when neo discovers or the scene at the end of the matrix when neo discovers what what discovers that he's the one and stops the bullets and stuff like that is one hundred percent just just an homage to Akira. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so Tetsuo continues going to find Akira uh, in the Olympic Stadium. Yes, and um, then we underneath get... the Olympic Stadium is a f- big freezer. Yes, because this movie oh. predicted that Tokyo would get the 2020 Olympics. Holy shit! Which yeah, that actually happened. <laughs> That's. <laughs> That's uh, fucked up. It's fucked up, uh, for, for for what it implies. Akira's under there. Akira is under there. So yeah, so Tetsuo, yeah, there's just a bunch of, like, other just, like, fucking cool fight scenes and explosions and shit. And Tetsuo goes to, makes it to the, uh, the Olympic Stadium. The soccer field! Yes, and, uh, inside the Olympic Stadium is K. Because uh, also before this doesn't isn't there that scene where Canada and K meet up with? Uh... Wait, yeah, but before before they get into the belly of the beast, yeah, 
before he gets to the soccer stadium, Tetsuo opens up the freezer. Yeah. No, that happens uh, after the... Because uh, the freezer's in the basement of the, of the soccer stadium. But, 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 when he's in the... On the soccer pitch, uh, that's when he's already lost his arm and he has the robot arm uh, replacement. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he uh. loses his arm because of the s- satellite bombardment. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, so, like, so yeah, so like he, the freezer, ha- the freezer thing happens before before he gets to the Olympic Stadium, uh, but it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's like close together. Uh, so yeah, so he he basically like oh like pulls out the big leg orb holding Akira. Uh, and then busts it open, and lo and behold, there's some jars in there. And uh, the colonel's like, the colonel's like, "Jokes on you, motherfucker! That's all that's left of Akira." Yeah, like we gave we gave him to the scientists, and they they fucking they sliced him up. Him. They sliced him up, and now all we have left is a bunch of like slices of his brainstem in jars. Uh, and then Tetsuo, you know, Akira was dead the whole time. Yeah, this is this is oh, that's where the sixth sense got it from, got it from. Yeah, so Tetsuo is sad, and then starts blowing shit up as as per. Uh, then the colonel is like, "Fuck it, let's nuke this shit from orbit," and they have this weird laser satellite that starts bombarding uh, Tetsuo, and it manages to take his arm off. Yeah, before this, we get. Uh... Because that, that all happens. The only reason he managed to take his arm off is because he's distracted fighting Kaneda. Um, right, right. And so before this, yeah. we get the scene where Kaneda and Kay meet up with Kai. Uh, yeah, Kai. Who is the, the last, the, the last, the last gang member, member of the gang. The last yeah. gang member. And Kai tells them about, <laughs> about what happened at the bar. And Kaneda decides... <laughs> to pay respects to his last gang member to crash his fucking bike into a wall. <laughs> yes. It's like I'm gonna I'm sending I'm gonna, his bike to get, him. I'm gonna send his bike back to him and then just like drive <laughs> straight into a fucking wall. It's so fucking funny. <laughs> and it just fall, it just like jumps off before yeah. it explodes. It's so fucking it's like, funny. He's just like <laughs> Oh god! Yeah. Oh yeah, that, that's when they, that's when he gets separated from uh, Kay because while he's crashing a bike into a wall, uh, she's talking to Normal Baby, and then he turns around. And he's like, "Hey, Kay, stop talking to Normal Baby," but she's already walked on water like fucking Jesus um, yeah. to go hang out with Normal Baby, and then they both fade out, uh, just like it uh, Normal Baby did at the very beginning, and so. So yeah, so then Kaneda's like, well, fuck, 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 fuck. I'm not going to get tea with her after all. She just wants to get tea with normal baby. Do babies even drink tea? And takes his bike, which mercifully he did not get confused with the other one, uh, and drives after Tetsuo. And then, yeah, then he finds him um, looking at Akira's bits. Yeah, and, and then they get into a fight because he's trying to kill and Tetsuo. Somehow, and so, yeah, and somehow Kaneda is the only one who can get a hit in on Tetsuo. But it doesn't really do anything. It doesn't do much, no. But it's still, yeah. I guess, I guess, because Tetsuo is has a hang up, or is in Canada, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah. After this orbital bombardment, 
uh, Tetsuo pieces out, and then... Oh, yeah, right, because it doesn't do much because he's low on... Because he's fucking low on battery. His gun doesn't have enough battery in it. <laughs> yeah. And so it just, like, burns his shirt. Yeah. And then, how, like, how does... Let's see. Um. So, yeah, so then there you have the, the, big, the big sky laser that makes a bunch of shit explode, and then Tetsuo runs up to... Flies it into space <laughs> to destroy the satellite. Right, right, right. Uh, uh, does K show up here again? Or yes, not K shows up here. Uh, so, so after after Tetsuo is pieced out, yeah, after Tetsuo is pieced out, pieced out, so and then Tetsuo she, blows up the satellite, and then he's gone for a little while, um, okay. and then he's just sort of like he's so so everybody else is sort of like uh, so K and Kai and Kaneda, um, all you know build a campfire and hang out with their bikes. Oh yeah, that was weird. Yeah. <laughs> And crack jokes like it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Tetsuo is just hanging out in the, the Olympic Stadium uh, and Kaori shows up. And she, Somehow. she just like wandered her huge doe eyes <laughs> through. <laughs> she just is yeah. like, what the fuck is going on? And, it, oh yeah, because she finds him moaning like a little... Yeah, she like finds a him having a fucking conniption. In the corner, cause, and he's, he's made himself a new arm out of yeah. metal, but it doesn't work so good. Um, and so she helps him onto his onto the throne that yeah. exists on the soccer pitch, um, and he's set, he set up all the little curious bits there, kind of as a, as a, as his kind of royal audience. Uh, and then and then his his robot arm starts freaking out. Yeah, and then he realizes that it's because he was on drugs to like suppress his psychic powers, and now he's they're like wearing off, and so now uh, oh, right, he's like right, crazy. Right. His his galaxy brain is taking over him. And, th- and then the colonel shows up, um, and he's like, yo, yo, yo. <laughs> he doesn't say yo, but he's like, Tetsuo, we can give you more drugs if you come back to the hospital with us. We can, we can, and he's um, like, fucking no. Yeah, and then uh, his, his robot arm turns into a fleshy robot yes, arm. Yes, it gets huge and gross and horrible. Yeah, this is where the body horror really kicks yeah, in. Yeah, he turns into this huge, fleshy, disgusting mass. Um, and, and starts like slurping up the, the kernel. Yeah, and he just grows uh, and grows and grows and grows. And then oh. cheers, love. The cavalry is here. Uh, Kanada and, and yeah, Kanada gets like sort of engulfed, and Kaori gets engulfed and killed. Well, wait, 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 wait slow down. Yeah, because um, yeah, so Kanada shows up, shoots, shoots the big fleshy arm to save the kernel for some reason. Um, and then, yeah, then Tetsuo completely, like, loses control and, and explodes like a balloon of flesh and, and like, absorbs Kaori. Yeah. Uh, and absorbs Kaneda. And then inside, Tetsuo, Kaneda can hear him being like, I can't control my fucking body. Help me. Uh, and then he squishes Kaori to death. Yes. Uh, poor Kaori. No, yeah, she fucking explodes. Baby. She's done nothing wrong, uh, and she she blows up. Uh, <laughs> but let's see how did how do we defl- how did we deflate? Oh yeah, because he recharged his laser gun and like shot his way out of Tetsuo. Um, Kaneda does. Yeah, is that what happens? Uh-huh. And then Tetsuo gets all goopy and weird, like weird, like tendrils of flesh with like toes all over come slurping out of every 
part of him. Yeah. And it's the worst thing that's ever no, happened. No, Kanata's still in there when all the weird tendrils of flesh, and then everything's exploding, and there's all this gross goop, and Kanata just sort of gets ejected from it, and he's covering goo. But but there's lasers. He shoots lasers at Does him. he shoot the laser? I think he just has the laser. Yeah. I guess yeah, maybe he shoots, come, he shoots the laser, yeah. Come. Yeah, and there's the huge gross slurping stuff, and the eyeballs, and the gross tendrils with toes, and all the, the, the kids are, like, praying to the, the Akira Shrine. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so they, they, they float in at some point, fashionably late as usual. Uh, and so, so yeah, so Kanada is kind of fighting Tetsuo, kind of running away from Tetsuo. The colonel is just kind of like, fuck. Yeah. And the kids, the kids are all praying in front of uh, Akira's bits. And then everything blows up. Yes, and then Akira comes back to save them. All the jars explode. Um, and he creates this huge orb that destroys Tetsuo and absorbs everything. Like, it's just a massive, grow- slowly growing explosion that absorbs Tetsuo. Or the the massive blob of flesh that is now Tetsuo. Yeah. Uh, and then Kanada is like, no, Tetsuo, and jumps into the orb. And then the babies are like, no, Kanada. Uh, and then one of them jumps into the orb, and the other two babies are like, "We can get uh, Canada out." Like it's it, yeah, we might not be able to get ourselves, but we can get Canada out, and that's and that's a good thing. So they they dive into so it's like that. It's like that. Um, everyone comes in for a huge party, <laughs> except, except except it's the it's the it's the singularity orb. Yeah. And so inside the orb, Canada uh, sees a bunch of Tetsuo's memories. Like that's that's what we that's what we learned about him at the orphanage, and see like when they become friends and everything. Yeah. And then uh, let's see. And then and then <laughs> so yeah, so there's that whole sequence with Canada fucking doing the Evangelion thing in the in the orb. Um, doing the doing the what? Doing the what? Doing that, the end, the Evangelion thing in the orb where he's just like floating in a big white void and stuff is happening. Oh yeah, uh, yeah and the whole some... city floods with water, and then um, the and then the, the, the corrupt t- t- the like shitty scientist dude gets crushed to death when his laboratory collapses, so he dies, oh, yeah. which is good. Uh, and then Kanada finds Kay and Kai, and they're alive. Uh, and then they so so yeah. Well, I mean this. The more happens inside the orb, and then and and he and Kanada only gets out because like he hears Kay calling for him. Kanada kun, Kanada kun. Um, why she why she misses him? We don't know. Yes, but what? Yeah. So what happens in the orb? In the orb, like te, like te, Kanada sees a bunch of Tetsuo's like memories. We see a bunch of their childhood memories, and then. We see how like the the kids were trained when they were younger and when they weren't as as pallid oh, uh, right. or, or so, yeah, shriveled. Yeah, you know, we see how like their parents gave them up for whatever reason, and they were put through all these tests uh-huh. and fucking hated them, um, and like formed solidarity with each other against the scientists. Yeah, but then Akira says something about. Like taking Tetsuo with yes. him, and I forgot the exact line. But yeah, like basically, it's just like Tetsuo is going to be safe with me, and like elevates Tetsuo to universe brain status, and he leaves. Uh, and then Kanada gets gets booted out of the orb, and then and then there's all the stuff with with K and Kai, and then they drive off into the sunset. Um, 
But what's the there's the, there's the line that ha- that happens twice, but like how it's already begun. Um, uh, what's begun and why and how? Let me see. I'm looking at the. I don't have a screenshot of this. I'm trying to look through the, the movie. Yeah. So Akira. So like the the kids are like we called him to have him take Tetsuo away, and kind of just like take him away, take him where? They're like it's too much for Tetsuo, and for us, and for Akira. It's too big for us as we are now. Uh, and then they say someday we'll also be able to. You see, it's already begun. Also be able to what? Uh, what has already begun? Uh, and then they tell her that uh, K is also uh, going to become a huge ball of flesh at some point in the future. Uh, Wait, really? Yes, they say that uh, your friend is also developing psychic powers. Not like that exact thing, but they're like, uh, it's already begun. Um, your friends. Uh, and then he's like, my friend? And then they're like, and then he's like, K, you're talking about K, don't you mean K, don't you? Um, huh. Yeah, so they're talking about how K is turning into a psychic as well. Whether that means she'll become a blob of flesh in the future, to be determined. <laughs> Stay tuned. Uh, so yeah, and then we get Tetsuo sort of uh, saying, like, basically introducing himself from 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 the from universe brain, from the higher brain level uh, at the very end of the movie. I I didn't read. I, I'm looking at the part you're talking about where they say your friend. Um, so well, that's what it says on Wikipedia. That's that's what that that's what it means. Okay, so they say your friends. He says, my friend, K, you mean K, don't you? Like, I think when I was watching it, I was just turned a bit. I just mean, like, your friend's calling for you. No. Um, no, because they say it's already begun, you know? Well, they they say it's already begun again at the end, too. So they say so they will also be able to. <coughs> and they say it's already begun. Yeah. Uh, I, I assume that refers to something about, about them. No. <laughs> uh, so, uh, what does it mean? Someday we'll also be able to. Um, I don't. I don't know what they mean by someday we'll also be able to. But I know that they're taught when they say it's already begun. I think they mean, and I say this entirely on the basis that this is what it says on Wikipedia, and I assume that somebody <laughs> would have changed it if it was wrong. Um, well, don't be so sure. <laughs> um, yes. Um, because I, I think what they're talking about is that Tetsuo has become more powerful than any of them. Uh, right. And that he's, and that, that they'll someday be that powerful. Um, like, they'll also... Uh, or or that, uh, that Akira is more powerful than any of them. And that he was the one who was able to stop this. And someday they'll also be able to stop this. Um, anyway. Okay. So that's, okay. that's the film Akira. That's the plot of the film Akira. So what does it mean, Cass? Uh, well... It's not a movie that uh, is super unambiguous in what it's about. Um, it's sort about of nukes. Yeah, it's sort of impossible to not. It's one. It's impossible to not read it as about nukes, but it's also impossible to not read it in terms of like the socio political context that it sets itself up in as being about at the beginning of the movie and about um, you know specifically about because uh, like like the thing the thing that I the thing that I wrote. Uh, in my notes was the world destroying magic powers of a delinquent biker gang, gang granted by a vague but menacing government agency as a metaphor for the government's role in creating the material conditions of poverty. Uh, oh, damn. Because ultimately, like like what what this movie does not 
think very highly of the government or of police no, or of cops or of, of soldiers or of anything like that. It doesn't think very highly of them. As it um, and I'm trying to think of how to phrase this or how to phrase what it's, what it's, what it's talking about. Cause I, I did some, some reading about like what if other people said that this movie might be about. Uh, and cause there's, there's also like, there's the whole sort of shape shifting aspect and the whole sort of like, Especially the part at the end where Tetsuo talks about not having control of his body anymore. Mm. Um, Alienation? Yeah. As, as, yeah, as, like, this is a movie about, like, I guess, like, the horror of, the, like, the sort of body horror of neoliberalism. Um, in the sense of of like yeah because the because the uh, like the invasive and like completely non-consensual like experiments that they run yeah on the kids Uh, is all part of that yeah um and and the way that like policing and and sort of the government feels entitled to control like it's it's very like foucault biopolitics kind of shit mm, um yeah and yeah because yeah, I mean, we mentioned before how how like red how like quickly and like readily the police res- resort to extreme force yeah um and and even in even more than just like biopolitics like because you can also expand that and i actually when was necropolitics written um uh, 2003? Yeah, 2003. So, so biopolitics is this, is this uh, concept from uh, Michel Foucault, and it's about, um, like, the way that politics influences biology, and, and the way that, um, the way that, that politics influences the way that life is organized. Um, and then in 2003, uh, Achille Mbembe wrote an article called Necropolitics, uh, which is a sort of an extension of biopolitics into the idea um, that um, ba- basically it's it's not just the, the sort of the sort of government monopoly on violence or that the government has the right to kill, but like the right to expose like the right to expose people to death. Um, mm. and and also like the right to expose people to to social death. Uh, and 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 civil death, like the idea of of the pol- the political means to socially outcast somebody or deprive them of their civil rights, um, mm-hmm. as as forms of death, um, you know, and um, Foucault talking about biopolitics and biopower, um, and Foucault had already, I think, talked about biopower by the time that this movie came out, um, probably, yeah sort of it was sort of around the same time because this movie and that sort of makes sort of makes a lot of sense because this movie and cyberpunk more generally but this movie specifically is super postmodern um and it's it's especially that sort of body horror shape-shifting stuff near the end that really makes it postmodern um because it's it's sort of really concerned with the way that with this sort of Foucauldian way in which government power is exerted on human bodies uh and human lives um and so there's there's sort of that metaphorical reading that i that i had while i was watching it um 
but there's also sort of a, a more literal reading, I guess, um, because like we can we can talk about like the ways in which government policy leads to situations like how um, like the Bronx has one of the highest asthma rates in the world, you know, mm. um, and talking about the role of of government inter and and also stuff like the fact that hospitals in uh black and brown communities tend to be less good at treating their patients and have more patient deaths than hospitals in wealthier white communities um and you know the extremely high like maternal mortality rate for black mothers Um, right and we mentioned earlier how like uh, Canada and Tetsuo's school is like clearly extremely underfunded yeah because this is a movie like this is is also a movie that is extremely aware of like the justifications and reasons for the actions of its its protagonists you know it's not a movie that is like condescending about these kids and their sort of like the reasons that they have for like you know going driving around on motorbikes and beating up clowns you know (laughs) like it's 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 very easy for a movie to, that's concerned about this sort of stuff to be condescending in that way. But this movie, I mean, one, it thinks it's super cool. Like, it thinks motorcycle gangs are cool. Uh, <laughs> and and also, like, it totally understands, like, if you live, like- if you're, you know, in this just, like, shitty city that doesn't, and the government doesn't care about you, and you have no, you have no future, you have no chance you know, really, um, that is, it's disempowering and it's sort of horrific. Uh, and, and it's, yeah, and you can yeah. see that specifically in, in Tetsuo's sort of character arc, because his whole thing is that he feels, he feels like emasculated, you know, like yeah. by, by circumstances. And he feels like he doesn't have control over his life. He doesn't want help from other people, you know, because he's constantly condescended to by his surroundings right. and right. constantly, you know, and like, that's just like even if you don't turn into a huge flesh mass, like that's just how it works in real life. That is like <laughs> like all of that stuff yeah, is one hundred percent real, you know, with yeah, no yeah. with no metaphors necessary. Um you know, so it's this sort of very personal conflict um uh, with with Tetsuo that's sort of made into this much bigger thing because he's given these psychic powers and because he turns into this huge flesh mass, then it, then it's, it, it is no longer just about him, but it's also, it's also indicting the systems of power that he exists within because it's Mm -hmm. like, yes, he is a destructive force. Yes. He kills a lot of people. Uh, you know, yes, he turns into a big gross flesh mass in the Olympic stadium, but (laughs) he does all of that. Because he was given those, because because the conditions for him to be able to do that were created by the military, by like the military industrial complex made him <laughs> yeah. th- made him into a flesh mass. Like they did that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, right. Like how, how yeah, how. Um... You know, and especially near the end when he sort of totally loses control over it, it's like, it's. It doesn't like fully like exculpate him from 
oh, responsibility, no, but also it knows that it's not like he's not really the villain of this story, which is like yeah. I think part of why like they murder that scientist man at the end for no reason, you know? Yeah, like they just kill him because it's his fucking fault. <laughs> Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. it's his it's his whole shit. Um, yeah, like, it's his inability, uh, yeah. and like, and this is another thing about about this movie is like, in addition to all that sort of political stuff, is is this sort of commentary on the inability or like the distance of scientists and doctors from the people they are ostensibly like trying to help with their knowledge and their inability right. to see them as people. You know, yeah, yeah. and the, yeah. The only and the only like aspect in which the colonel is like characterized as reasonable is how, it, like, when it, he often butts up against the scientist, being like, "Fucking think about the consequences yeah. of what you do for once." And that whenever something horrible happens, the scientist is like, "Holy shit! This is incredible! This is amazing!" Uh, yeah, you know, because he's he he's unable. And he, as a proxy for, like, science at large, is unable to see, like, the actual material consequences and, like, the, the sort of material world that they exist in. And everything is just a sort of abstract, like, it's just like an abstract knowledge game for them. Like, it's just, oh, we're just learning, yeah, yeah. you know? It's, it's just, yeah, we're just, exactly. we're just learning stuff, you know? Science is good for science's sake, you know? Um mm-hmm. yeah, the sort of, the sort of illusion that many scientists have of neutrality yeah um you know in the sense that like because it is true that like facts don't have like don't care about your facts feelings. do not care about your feelings first and foremost and then <laughs> uh but like like this is a thing that that uh richard Feynman wrote about about how like science is incapable of providing moral judgment you can't use science as yeah. a moral framework you know yeah. it's yeah, yeah, yeah. when you discover something is true about the world that doesn't tell you anything about how to use that information or what to do with that information and so like and i think a lot of a lot of scientists then treat that rather than as not really an indictment of science but as like a basically just like science can't exist alone in the world we need other things in order to tell us what to do you know they they treat it as like oh it's a get out of jail free card because no matter what i do no matter you know no matter how much i worry about whether or not we could before i worry about whether or not we should it's fine because i'm not morally responsible because i'm a scientist and science doesn't have any sort of moral there's nothing there's no moral framework in science you know all i do is just find stuff you know, I find out information and do tests and stuff like that. And it's like, well, you also exist in a world, you know, with other people. <laughs> we live in a society. We live in a fucking society. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, it's a, you know, and I think, I think that this movie, like, as much as, because it's also, it's got a bit of, like, uh, Seinfeld effect kind of stuff going on where it's hard to see this movie as groundbreaking because mm. it so massively influenced everything that came after it. Right. You know, you can see you can see everything in this movie, you know, you can see go you know, like but every anime that we've watched uh, you know, for this show has been influenced by Akira. Except maybe in a place further than the universe. <laughs> I was about to write that up. Except maybe a place further than the universe. I don't know how much how much a place further in the universe has been influenced by Akira, but like pretty much everything that we've watched has been yeah. has been in some way influenced by Akira, and I'm sure 
that that if we really thought about it, there's a way, you know, it's because it, like well, it, they, they're like a place for the universe is part of the Evangelion extended universe. Yes. The Evangelion was deeply influenced yeah. by yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, so listen to our podcast on the, A Place for the Universe for why it takes place in the same universe as uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, like you can see, like, this is one of those shows, one of those shows, one of those, one of those like, animes, I guess, for lack of a better word, uh, <laughs> uh, that is just sort of like a watershed moment where, like... Yeah everything after it is different from everything before it in the same way that like Gundam was, um, you know, and, and Akira in particular, uh, uh, was massively influenced, uh, what's uh, by an anime called Tetsujin 28 Go, um, hmm. which is one of the original giant robot anime a- animes. Um, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a manga from the fifties and then it was an anime in the sixties. Um, and it, uh, it was it was like it influenced like all of the later mech stuff and it, like the Akira is influenced so much by Tetsujin Twenty Eight Go that all of the characters in Akira have names taken from Tetsujin Twenty Eight Go. <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, that's very silly. Yeah, uh, the Colonel's name is Shikishima, uh, uh, and that is uh, he's the assistant to Doctor Kaneda. Hey. Uh, uh, so yeah, so who are the, t- the, the babies? Uh, who are the babies? I don't think. <laughs> I don't know. There was there was a, a on the Akira manga Wiki. Wikipedia page. There was like a whole mapping. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you don't have to go through it. Yeah, whatever. We'll find it. But yeah, so Tetsujin Twenty Eight Go uh, and Tetsujin Twenty Eight Go being a Giant Robot anime was a huge influence on Gundam, um, and and also on Akira. And Gundam and Akira are both those those sorts of like massively influential anime, and both of those huge influences on Nancha to save Evangelion. Uh, and we're sort of still living in in, in the 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 house that the house that Otto built uh, today. Uh, yeah, for better or for worse. For better or for worse, yes. Uh, we're um, still kind of living in it. Oh, last question. Um, so. I think the sci- at the very end of the when like the big orb was happening, I think the scientist mentioned like that it was like the big bang. Yes. Um, so is did they did, he, did they birth a little baby universe? Yeah, because he said it's like right the beginning. Then? of It's the beginning of a new universe. Is that what happened in during World War Three too? I don't know. Well, because because like the the thing that happened during World War Two was just, it was like destroyed by a singularity, and I think that's what what was supposed to be created. And I think that like that idea is a reference to the idea that singularities uh, are like windows into another universe. Oh, so Akira basically um, eloped with Tetsuo into a, a little world for two. Is that what you're saying? I don't know if that's strictly speaking what happened, <laughs> but you can believe that. <laughs> All right, gonna write some fanfic. <laughs> a boy and his slices of brain. <laughs> oh fuck! All right. All right. Um, do you have a book recommendation, Cass? Uh, I think I do. Um, let me check our email first because I didn't last time. Oh fuck! Oh shit! Oh fuck! Uh, I guess we can address. We got this email last month, and uh. <laughs> 
I thought it was really funny. <laughs> so, uh, but I forgot because I forgot to check out Yo before we recorded last month's podcast. Oh, shit. Uh, I already told you about this one, uh, this email. But, uh, and it's, we also, I guess, partly answered it with the existence of this episode. But Thomas writes, Hi, will you be covering Akira, Studio Ghibli, Dragon Ball Z, Pokemon, Digimon, and Yu-Gi-Oh! at some point? Thanks for reading. Sincerely, Thomas. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. Uh, which is, uh, I don't want to make fun of you, Thomas, if you're listening. This is a very funny email. Um, so, yeah, so I guess we did just cover Akira. Uh, we've already covered... Check, we've, check, check one off. Check one off. We've already covered a, a Studio Ghibli film. Uh, which one? The one that you fucking picked. <laughs> Tell the Princess Kaguya. <laughs> Um, all right, all right, all right. Uh, in terms of the other ones, I've been Dragon Ball Z, Pokemon, Digimon, and Yu-Gi-Oh. I mean, we're not going to be watching Pokemon, Digimon, and Yu-Gi-Oh because they're bad. Um, and, you know, they're, you know, basically advertisements for children's toys. Uh, in the same way that if I were doing a show on uh, American animation, I wouldn't watch fucking Transformers. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Dragon Ball Z, I would like to watch Dragon Ball Z at some point, but it's just too fucking long. There's just too fucking much of it. Like, even Kai, which cuts out all of the filler, is still, like, 200 episodes. Oh my god. Um, you know. Uh, and also, uh, Mr. Jeff Gersman and Mr. Dan Reichert have done a fine job, uh, on their podcast, All Systems Goku, of, uh, covering Dragon Ball Z Kai, um, you know, so, like, if we could find a decent way to watch Dragon Ball or Dragon Ball Z on this sh- on this show, I would like to. But it's it's like watching, it's, you know, same thing with watching Naruto or watching One Piece. It's just, like, these super long-running shonen shows that are just, like, they just don't work really well with the format that we have. Um, yeah. And you couldn't get me to watch that anyway. I couldn't get you to watch Dragon Ball Z. Not more than a couple episodes. Um... So yeah, so so that's 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 our answer to that. Um, but we did watch Akira. Um, we did watch Akira, and and also there's sort of I guess the more philosophical thing, which is that um, we I think I want to generally focus on things that perhaps don't get talked about very often. You know, um, yeah, it's like part it's... of the reason why when we wa- when we watched a Studio Ghibli film, we watched The Tale of the Princess Kaguya instead of like Spirited Away or Kiki's Delivery Service. Because yeah. even though I fucking love Spirited Away and I fucking love Kiki's Delivery Service, like, everybody knows those movies are good. Like, we aren't going to bring anything new to the table if we talk about uh, Kiki's Delivery Service or Spirited Away or, you know, mo- most of these most of these like shows. Poco Rosso, we, yeah, because Porco Rosso, like, that's a pretty obscure Ghibli film. Um, yeah. You know, like, most people haven't seen it. Um, you know, Whereas, like, most people have seen those, too. Most people have seen Princess Mononoke, uh, Castle in the Sky. Howl's movie, Castle. Uh, all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, so obviously we're not exclusively sticking to that, because we watched fucking Evangelion, and we watched Akira. Um, but we've also watched shows that I think are a little less popular, like A Place Further Than the Universe, or The Tatami Galaxy, or uh, Gunbuster, or Serial Experiments Lane, you know, stuff like that. Uh, so anyway. Evangelion. <laughs> Evangelion, yeah, obscure, obscure indie gem, Neon Genesis Evangelion. Uh, anyway, so you were asking me uh, if I have a book to recommend. 
Uh, I'm sort of between a couple right now. Let me look at my Goodreads and see which one I want. I want to pick. Hmm. <laughs> All right, I'll recommend. I'll recommend the thing that I was thinking of recommending, which is. Uh, so I'm gonna recommend. I'm gonna do something slightly unusual, and I'm gonna recommend that you read a play. Holy uh, shit! Which I've never recommended before. Um, and so obviously, uh, okay, plays are meant to be watched and not read. But watching plays can be cost prohibitive, or if you don't live in a place that has a theater scene, uh, it's pretty much impossible. Uh, so reading plays can also be fun and informative. And so I'm going to recommend that you read the play Angels in America by Tony Kushner. Um, um. So I recently read this because uh, at the school, the the college that I go to, the... <laughs> The unnamed, the unnamed institution. The unnamed institution. I'm not going to tell you. Like, because I go to a community college. So if I told people what college I went to, they would be able to just fucking go there on a weekday and find me, and it'd be weird. Oh, no. Um, no I'm all for... I'm all... I'm not... I'm not teasing you for uh, privacy. Yes, at the, un, at the unnamed... Just because I have zero opsec. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just because you fucking posted your IKEA password on twitch.tv. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Um, so, uh, the theater club at the college that I go to is doing a, like, a bunch of, like, students who are in there are directing, like, various scenes from plays, from, like, classic American plays. I am in, uh, some scenes from Angels in America. Um, uh, and so I had to read the play. And I knew about this play in advance. I didn't know a ton about it. It's fucking really good. It's like really yeah. fucking good. I haven't um, read it. Either. So if if and if you want to watch something instead of read something, there is also an HBO miniseries uh, of this. It's like six episodes, nine episodes, whatever. Um, because this is so this it's it's a play in two parts. Part one is called Millennium Approaches. Part two is called Perestroika. Um, and it it takes it's like a nine hour long play. They do it over two days. Uh, it is, it's intense and it's bizarre and it was released. So it, it came out in 1993. Released. Released. Yeah. I mean, it was released in 1993. Released the beast. Released the beast. Released Tony Kushner's beast. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so, it, and it's, it is about, uh, the AIDS epidemic broadly, uh, it's also about a bunch of other stuff. Like the the subtitle of the play is that it is a gay fantasia on national themes, um, and it's about how do I how do I summarize the plot of this book? How do I summarize the plot of this play? It's about uh, it's about a bunch of people. Uh, so it's a very it's a very ensemble play. The closest thing to a protagonist the play has is uh, this guy Prior Walter, who is a gay man who has AIDS, uh, and very early on in the play like one of the first scenes with him actually the first scene with him and his boyfriend lewis uh is him telling his boyfriend lewis that he is like gonna die like very soon because he's uh found one of the aids defining illnesses is uh, a cancer called kaposi's sarcoma and he's found the first legion lesion from kaposi's sarcoma so he's like he's got like months um and and I should say that even though this is a play about AIDS and there's a lot of very sad shit in this play, it's also fucking hilarious. Um, like that scene that I was just talking about uh, is 
like it's a scene where like one character tells his boyfriend that he's going to die like now like very soon and also it is a very funny scene like there's a lot of jokes in it uh it's mm-hmm. it's a, like this it's a very it's a very darkly comedic play but it it is very mm-hmm. funny um it also so it also follows uh Joe and Harper Pitt who are a Mormon couple uh Joe is gay but doesn't like to talk about it um and Harper is uh, agoraphobic and addicted to Valium. Uh, and mm-hmm. then it also follows, uh, amazingly, Roy Cohn, who is Donald Trump's lawyer in the 80s. What uh, the fuck? Uh, and Roy Cohn, so Roy Cohn is a real person. None of these other people were real people. Uh, except the ghost of Ethel Rosenberg, uh, who is also in this play and haunts Roy Cohn. Um, wow. So Roy Cohn... Uh, until his until, died of AIDS in the late eighties, but until his he until his dying day, he insisted he was dying of liver cancer, um, okay. because he didn't want people to know that he was gay, um, because he was also a huge fucking asshole and a just complete monster of a person. Um, I mean, he was Donald Trump's lawyer. Um, yeah. So, uh, but he also like orchestrated. He worked. He worked with Joseph McCarthy and like orchestrated Jesus. the Red Scare, and also the orchestrated the uh, like a, the a purging of of gay uh, staff from from the government under Joseph McCarthy. Uh, and yeah, he did a bunch of other shit. And one of the things that he did was uh, Ethel Rosenberg and what was. Uh, Julius, yes. I thought it was Julius, but I didn't want to say Julius. Yes, Julius and Ethel Rosenberg. Well, Ethel Rosenberg is in this play. Julius isn't. Uh, so Julius and Ethel Rosenberg were Soviet spies, um, who were, they were, you know, convicted of espionage in 1951, and then they were originally going to serve life in prison, but Roy Cohn had them executed. Um, and Roy Cohn had them executed, uh, illegally. Uh, basically, he was going behind everybody's back and talking to the judge when he wasn't supposed Jesus. to be, uh, in order specifically to get these these two people put to death. Um, so yeah, he's in this play, uh, and his his first line is fucking hilarious. Uh, he says, "I wish I was an octopus, a fucking octopus, eight loving arms, and all those suckers." Know what I mean? <laughs> that's his that's his first line. Um, uh, so yeah, so this is a play, so, about, so all of these people, it, it mostly is, a, like, Pryor is sort of the protagonist, but because the play is so long, it's, everybody sort of gets, like, an hour in there that's, that's about them. Um, Dang. And, uh, so Pryor, he is dying of AIDS, he, he de- declines rapidly, goes into the hospital, um... And then his boyfriend, Lewis, abandons him because Lewis is afraid of death and he's afraid of seeing people that he cares about die. Thanks, Lewis. Thanks, Lewis. Lewis is a real prick. Uh, It's hilarious. There's this completely insane... He goes on this completely insane monologue like halfway through this, like, to another person, to his friend Belize. Uh, Just this... I can't even... You know, he's... it's just this like bizarre just like wide-ranging monologue about like his like politics and about like his his like 
what it is about America that's that makes America different from other places. Um, and all all the while, and, and and it's like it's like kind of racist. Uh, and all the while, uh, this Belize is black, and he's just like staring at him, and occasionally interrupting him to call him out on his bullshit. Uh, and then they get into a huge fight after that. Um, and then in the second half of this play, Lewis uh, decides to try to meet with Pryor again uh, after after Pryor has like sort of barely squeaked by and survived. Uh, because what happens at the end of the first half is that Pryor, uh, after being visited by uh, the ghosts of his ancestors, uh, mm-hmm. and also, um, like constantly sort of hearing this sort of strange voice that seems to come from nowhere, is visited by a literal angel um, in his in his hospital room. Uh, who, and this is the literal last lines of the play, the angel says, Greetings, prophet! The great work begins! The messenger has arrived! And then the play ends. Um, yeah. And then the second, and then in, this, in the second half, basically, Pryor is informed about uh, what just, Pryor is informed about what just happened and, and who this angel is. And this angel is uh, the angel of America. She, uh, she is one of the seven continental principalities. Uh, and she informs, <laughs> yes, uh, and she informs him that uh, God exists and he looks like a giant flaming Aleph. Um, and he created the angels and they all hung out, but the angels weren't creative and they couldn't make new things. So he made humanity and he gave humanity the gift to make new things to entertain him. Um, but then humanity made too many new things and they, they ruined heaven, uh, and they made it awful because they kept moving around. Uh, and so on the day of the 1906 San Francisco earthquake, God left heaven, uh, and abandoned earth and he's been gone and he's been gone since then. Uh, it, yeah, right? It's fucking great. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but the angels are still there, and they don't, they're not too happy with uh, humans moving around so much and making a ruckus in heaven. Uh, so they've come down to tell Pryor to spread their gospel, which is stop moving. Uh, uh, and so Pryor uh, becomes a prophet. Uh, and dresses in, he dresses like death from the seventh seal, uh, and and wears sunglasses, and he goes around. And there's a a really good scene in the second half of the play where um, him and uh, him and Lewis meet up again, and Lewis Lewis has arranged this meeting. And you have you ever have you ever like gotten into a fight with somebody, and then you've like left angry and then you're coming back and then you're 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 you you've met up with them again and you're going to try to make things out you have like everything planned out in your head exactly what you're going to say and then you start saying it and then you realize that it doesn't make any sense and that the person that you're talking to like 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 nothing that you're saying is landing and like everything just falls apart uh because lewis lewis shows up and sees sees prior who is dressed like death from the seventh seal um and is a prophet now and, and Lewis, and, and he goes into this whole spiel about how really, you know, this is all sort of your fault because you shouldn't have been so much of a victim. Uh, and then, at, at, like, at the end of the spiel, it's just like, why are you dressed like that? <laughs> just completely disarmed. Uh, and in the in the interim, he started dating Joe Pitt, the, uh, the gay Republican Mormon lawyer. Um, and... Prior is like I I I think you you've started dating somebody new, right? 
and Lewis is like, I, I now I wouldn't say that we're, that we're dating, and he's just like, ask me how I know, and Lewis is like, how do you, and Pryor interrupts him and says, fuck you, I'm a prophet! <laughs> um, it's good, it's good, it's good shit. So yeah, it's a really fucking good, funny, weird, just deep, deeply strange play, uh, but it, it's like, when I was talking with, uh, Sean, the person who is directing, uh, the scenes that I'm in about this play, he described it as, what if Rent was good? <laughs> um, which it totally is. It's, it's, yeah. what if Rent was good and ambitious and was really trying to, cause this came out sort of on the tail end of like the AIDS epidemic is 1983, you know, it, uh, AZT was becoming more widely available, you know, like it was sort of starting to, to, to drop off from, from what it was like in the, in the eighties. Um, yeah. and so it, it's this sort of broad sweeping retrospective work on like what any of that meant. And also like this, like eulogy for all of the people who have died, um, and it's, it's just, it's, it's, if you have any interest at all, because like for me, like I obviously didn't live through any of that. Um, you know, I'm only 22. Uh, and it's, it's been astonishing the degree to which, like, we've just sort of forgotten that it happened. Right. Um, you know, like, like a lot of people died, um, and it was a complete, disaster and the government could have done things to help and they didn't um and a lot of people died for no reason and i learned about it in school when i was a kid um but it also felt like something that happened in another universe right Right. um you know and it's reading this play makes it feel it comes closer to feeling like oh this is something that happened not long ago like it's not even like it's not even like like you know when you read about world war ii it's like yeah this happened and it happened recently enough that there are still a bunch of people alive who were there when it happened but like they're all old people so they don't really matter uh, but it's like tony kushner's alive and he's not even old you know like he's he's like in his 50s um like there's a bit in here in lewis's weird long monologue um, that I want to find. Yeah, he says. I mean, it, he says. I mean, it's the really hard thing about being left in this country. The American left can't help but trip over all these petrified little fetishes. Freedom—that's the worst, you know. Gene Kirkpatrick, for God's sake, will go on and on about freedom. And so, what does that mean? The word freedom, when she talks about it, or human rights. You have Bush talking about human rights. And so, what are these people talking about? They might as well be talking about the mating habits of Venusians. These people don't begin to know what ontologically freedom is or human rights. Like they see these bourgeois property-based rights of man-type rights, but that's not what enfranchisement, not democracy, not what's implicit. That what's potential within the idea. Not not just the, not the idea with blood in it. That's just liberalism, the worst kind of liberalism, really, bourgeois tolerance. And I think that's what AIDS shows us, is the limits of tolerance, that it's not enough to be tolerated, because when the shit hits the fan, you find out how much tolerance is worth. Nothing. And underneath all the tolerance is intense, passionate hatred. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so that's my recommendation. Uh, Angels in America by Tony Kushner. Read it. Peg. All right, well, my condition <laughs> is not nearly so unqualified. I was hoping to get something 
more like relevant no just i'm okay so the adaptation is unclay by tf powies okay um, i yeah i'm familiar <laughs> i'm familiar with you it's yeah it's 1931 allegorical novel that is one of the weirdest things i've read recently or uh and it's completely batshit it has some extremely questionable things in it uh but it is so often so funny and weird in ways that are like directed exactly at me that i loved it anyway uh so it's about this little village where death is supposed to come and kill two young people as as death so often does but he lost the little paper that god wrote the names on and he can't remember what their names were so he's in a bit of a bind and uh, he meets this, he meets the local, like, priest who's this ridiculous man who's, <laughs> who, like, <laughs> it constantly makes fun of him for how, like, how he sincerely believes in the goodness of people. <laughs> uh, and also loves Jane Austen as much, if not more, than God. <laughs> uh, and so he strikes up this friendship with the most, like, sincere doofus in the world. And decides to like take a vacation, forget about killing people, and just hang out in this village and maybe get laid. Uh, so it's just it's just completely ridiculous from start to finish. And then, like, he fucks this girl who thinks she's a camel. Uh, he he makes he makes like the the like the village beauty fall in love with him and turn into like a goth gf. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, there's, there's a, for 1931, there's an extremely racy passage where she's jacking off to thoughts of death. <laughs> and then there's, uh, the, yeah, the, the, my, one of my favorite lines when, uh, they're, they're, all the local grumps are in a, in a, in a bar and there's this line in a room from which all pure air is kept out little lewd devils may spawn and multiply yep that's the internet <laughs> and uh, yeah i don't i showed the cast and you were just like well that's 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 the internet yeah uh and so yeah it's it's like the gender politics of it are pretty sus but to be fair Susie, the goth gf like her her shitty dad marries her off to like the local sadist and <laughs> you know like, your local sadist on their wedding night Susie kills him with death's scythe <laughs> which is extremely badass that whips um, but it's yeah it's it's utterly bananas and if you like like early 20th century fiction and Jane Austen and weird like absurdist literature it might be your shit <laughs> All right. Uh, so that's that's our. Uh, what, what was the title again? Unclay. Unclay. By T.F. Powies. That's yeah. That's the that's the command written on his little piece of paper. Ah. Because um, he, yeah, he's returning these people to, to the clay. Ah. 
Uh, yeah, wouldn't that be clang them? Not unclang them? Well... Get clay, like, motherfucker. Well, I mean, he's not literally doing... Like, he's just kind of, like, completely destroying them. Uh, there's this... Yeah, there's this, like, most of the... There's this one extremely, like, poetic passage where um, this local, like, farmer... Actually, one of the people who he was supposed to kill uh, finds the paper and... Like, let me try and find it. The passage when he, when he, when he, when he like, no, I, don't, I can't find it. I don't, I don't know what the book is anymore. When he, when he reads the name, like the true name of God, it's, it's, it's this, it's like, for the most part, the book is just like very funny, kind of like early 20th century writing, but then it kind of takes these dives into this, into very surreal poetic language, and it's great. All right. Uh, so, Alex, what are we going to watch huh. next month? Next month, we are going to watch Mirai by Hosoda Mamoru. Ooh. Ooh. So this was a film that came out 2018? Yeah. Or 2019. 2019 even. Uh, so we've watched another film by him, Wolf Children. And this is, so this is a more recent one. Apparently there's also a, a piece of malware called Mirai. Yeah, when I was Googling it, I saw yeah. that there was a Which, virus. Quote, turns network devices running Linux into remotely controlled bots that can be used as part of a botnet in large-scale networks atta- network attacks. Sick. So, yeah, the, the basic gist of, of, of Mirai is, um, like, this this relationship between um, the, the, the girl Mirai and her brother Kun. And there's a weird... I think there's a weird time travel thing. I haven't seen it. Um, but I think there's also... I think it also touches on, like, parenthood, which which might be interesting because we talked a bit about the representation of motherhood in wolf children and how it was a little one-dimensional. Um, so that might be interesting. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, Mirai. 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 All right. So... Uh, Alex, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, I, as in my new year's resolution of having good OPSEC, I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> uh, dun 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 on Twitter and on mess on Catalina at selfie.army. All right. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at prophet underscore goddess. You can find me on mess on at prophet underscore goddess at skeleton.cool. Yeah, you can play my video games at profitgoddess.ish.io, no underscore. And uh, should, I stre- should I stream your latest? Uh, you should. You should have streamed it a month yeah. ago. Uh, well, I was worried that I was worried that you wouldn't want me to stream it. I mean, yeah. it's just a shoot 'em up. You're not going to beat it anyway. Yeah. You're not good at video games. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right, all right. Maybe I'll do that. Uh, I, I don't think I, I don't think I've time to stream tomorrow but maybe next weekend all right uh so thanks everybody for listening uh we'll be back next month we're gonna watch mariah it'll be a good time bye bye